I'm excited about speaking to you today. I believe God has a word for you, and uh, I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life this morning. And uh, I'm going to be speaking on the good life, the good life. I'm ready for our crawfish bowl. I'm seeing my friend James over here. We went last night to Walmart. We've got sausage. We've got oranges. We've got onions. We've got mushrooms. We've got potatoes. We've got corn. We got all kinds of stuff, and he's good at uh, bowling them, so it's going to be good today. Sorry, ladies, you can't come. We might bring some home to you. Maybe not, but we might. The good life, John 10.10, it says this, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, this is Jesus speaking, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Another translation says an abundant life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes that you would have life and life abundantly. You never see in the Gospels, you can read all the Gospels, and you never see Jesus encountering someone where that person's life didn't change for the better. Every person that Jesus encountered, their life was changed for the better. The only ones that didn't really change were the Pharisees, the religious rulers that cared more about religion than the person of Jesus. Their religion clouded their mind so that they couldn't really see Jesus and know him. They wanted their own thing, tack on God with their life. But those that were genuine and saying, I'm wanting to know God, when they begin to get close to God, their life was changed. How many of you want to believe that God's going to change your life today? I believe some of you, you're, you're tired of the enemy stealing from you. Some of you are tired of the enemy destroying some things in your life, maybe in your family, in your finances. Uh, but I believe that God, if we really listen to his word, God is going to cause us to enter into this new life. You know, that this life is called, in the Greek, it's called zoe, Z-O-E, zoe life. And this life, it's, it's like the breath of God. This life, it's like eternal life. And this is really what zoe life is. So when you see Jesus talking about eternal life or you are coming into life, it's important that we know what that really means. This zoe life is a state where someone is possessed with vitality and causes inspiration, encouragement, renewed strength and health. The absolute fullness of life. Life real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God and blessed. That's a whole bunch of goodness right there. How many of you want that? Come on, five of you, how many of you really want the good life that God has for us? Well, let's, what Je- let's see what Jesus said in order to get it. John 8, 12 says this. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, say that with me. If you 
follow me. One more time. If you follow me. He didn't say, if you just believe in me. He didn't say, if you said a prayer. He said, this is the life that I have for you. If you follow me. You won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The light that leads to Zoe. And you know, I I know that the secret to the good life, Jesus tells us the secret. The secret to the good life, the Zoe life, the life that, that really causes you to be full. How many of you know that sin causes you to be empty? And sin is not satisfying. A life that is just living for the pleasures of now makes you feel empty and lost and in slavery to the things of the world. But God brings this life where you're full. And he brings this life to where you know who he is, you know your purpose, and he, he makes you energized. You become full. See, to follow really means to be a disciple. He said, if you come and follow me, I'll give you life. Now, there is, a, uh, there is an argument in our minds sometimes because of uh, preconceptions of what a believer is. See, some people believe that a believer is just, well, you believe in Jesus, you recognize that he is Lord. But James says, that's not enough. James says, even the demons say that God is Lord. But you will see your faith, you'll see some change. Because of your faith, you'll see some action. And a lot of times people will say, well, you know, I'm a Christian or I'm a believer. But it all comes down to, are you a follower? It all comes down to, are you following God? Not, do you go to church? Not, do you know about God? Not, if you believe about God. It's about becoming a disciple. See, a Christian is a disciple. A believer is a disciple. These are words that was used, and they all meant the same thing in the Bible. A believer, a Christian, a disciple. Are you a disciple? Because God says, I have a life for you that's better than you can ever comprehend. I have a life for you that will make you full. And he says, this is the secret. Come and follow me. Be my, be my disciple. Be a learner of me. Follow me. And I want to challenge you today, maybe you're at a certain place in your journey with God. I'm not saying that you should be where somebody else is. What I am saying is you have made a decision in your heart that you don't just believe in Jesus, but you're committed to following Jesus. I mean, it's easy to say it's a cliche thing. If I said, you know, Becca, do you follow Jesus? Yeah, of course I follow Jesus. Uh, Mike, do you follow Jesus? Yes, uh, of course I follow Jesus. But what does it really mean to follow Jesus? Because I want that life. I don't want to do the Christian thing and then be, be missing out. Doing the Christian thing and just going to church and not having the real life, that is kind of like miserable. Am I right about it? And some of us have experienced the life, 
but have kind of drifted away from following after God, following after Jesus. What does this really mean? Because I believe that God has life on the other side of your following. And so Jesus begins to tell us, this is what it is to be a believer. This is what it is to be a disciple. This is what it is to be a Christian. And he gives us this in Luke 9.23. Look, man, when I, when I gave my life to God, I know a lot of you can testify, but when I gave my life to Jesus, you didn't have to tell me to change. When I gave my life to God, there was something that changed on the inside, a real encounter with God. There was something that changed that, that I didn't see things different and I didn't want the same things. Something changed in me. I mean, I gave my life to God, and then, to be honest with you, I left there and did some illegal activity. I went and did some not too good of things, but in the middle of doing it, something changed because before I didn't care what I was doing. But this time I was like, I don't want that, man. It doesn't, this doesn't taste the same. This doesn't seem the same. This doesn't feel the same. And, and I was around people driving them nuts, being, uh, doing these kind of things and telling people about God, about the life that I was living. I, I, like, I feel life. And they're like, please, look at what you're doing. But there was something in me that God began to change me from the inside. He began to change my soul. He began to change my thoughts. He began to change my emotions. And I, I started catching myself not doing small things, not because the preacher told me or I even read the Bible at the time like I should. It was a spirit that was living inside of me that began to quicken me and begin to move me and begin to jerk me, and it was amazing. It was like the blinders came off. It was like the, the thing that you always were looking for, it was right there. But there was a change. I remember getting in my truck and I was about to throw something out the window. Because littering, you know, just, just throw it out there. Don't, don't, don't get the, the, the truck all messed up, you know, just throw it out. And then I remember, it was very distinctive. I remember I was about to throw something, something I never even thought about. And... I was about to throw it out, something stopped me. I was like, no, that's not you. That's not you. Because that, that is against the land, the law of the land. That's not you. You're not doing that. I remember being around friends and, and you're used to talking a certain way and, and you caught yourself. Nobody had to teach me. You can't talk like this. Start to talk like this. Start to do that. Nobody taught me. It was like, oh, I, I don't want to talk like that. I don't want to be involved in this conversation. I don't want to laugh at this joke. I don't, because I, I don't, for some reason I feel different. For some reason there's another life that has captivated me and I don't want these things. It had nothing to do with just zeal and will. Because I can tell you, if it had to do with that, in that state of my living, I would have failed. It wasn't, you got to do hard, try harder, be a better person. No, something took over me. Something changed me. And this is the life that Jesus is talking about. You didn't have to say, you know what, Evan, you really need to follow after God. I was addicted. 
You didn't have to say, you know what, Evan, you really need to get in your word because I got my word and for the first time the words came off the page, slapped me in the face in a good way, and I was feeling full. Nobody had to tell me. Yeah, give God a hand if you want to. Nobody had to tell me, you know, you really want to pray. You really need to pray. I remember somebody was in the house of prayer. They said, let me teach you how to pray because I was dealing with temptation. It's not like it's not like when you get saved, everything's easy. And I was dealing with stuff, and I was still doing stuff that I wish I wasn't doing. But at least this time when I was doing it, I was like, I got to get free of that. It wasn't like it all straightened out, but it was this pursuit of, man, I want to follow after God. Because the way that I'm feeling in his presence, the way that I'm feeling with his word, the way that I'm feeling when I'm around people, this is true life. And the concern at times is that some people, they might come to church, they might be involved, but have they really encountered Jesus? Because I can tell you, if you truly encounter him, nobody has got to tell you to follow him. Because you're like, this right here, this is the good life. This is the good life. This right here, I'm not letting it go. Jesus said, what is it worth to win the whole world but lose your very soul? Think about the comparison. He is saying that all the money in the world, all the possessions in the world, all the relationships in the world, all the, all the things, the desires of the world does not compare to the life of Jesus. Now, some of us might trade it and just, well, let me go for the world. But God had a secret. The world leaves you empty, and his life fills you up. It fills you up. I was kind of like, you know, when Jesus, Jesus, you know, he never did anything by the book. He finally had huge crowds. It was a crusade. And everybody is wanting to hear this great encouraging word from, from Jesus. And he says, you know what? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. And everybody was like, I am out. I'm not into uh, cannibalism. I'm out. I don't know what this means. I can't figure out what you're saying. So I'm out. But there was the 12 disciples that he personally touched. And he said, y'all going to leave too? Peter said, where am I going to go? <laughs> what am I going to do? Because what I've experienced with you is far better than I could ever experience in the world. You are the truth. You are the way. You are the Zoe. You are the life. Let me challenge you today. Some of you, maybe you've been in church for a very long time but got churchified. Are you following him? Are you following him? I'm not saying are you reading about him. I'm saying are you following him? I'm not saying are you praying to him. I'm saying are you following him? The Pharisees prayed. The Pharisees gave. But they didn't follow. The Pharisees were in a strict ritual. They didn't eat things. They didn't do things. They stayed away from this and that. That's not what Christianity is about. It's about following Jesus. Now let's look at what Jesus says, the prerequisites 
of following him. How many of you know what to do and how to follow him? Anybody? I'm alone here. I do. All right. I'll read it for myself. Luke 9, 23 through 26. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be a Christian, whoever wants to be a true believer, he says this, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, what do you mean, Jesus? You must deny yourself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. Daily. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a daily pursuit. It's not on Sunday. I'm going to follow after Jesus on Sunday. I'm going to try. No, no, no. Daily. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you got to follow me daily. If you want to follow me, it's a daily walk. It didn't seem like Jesus was like really trying to persuade people in following him. Even you right now, you're like, oh, daily. I don't, I don't, really, I don't really know. He says this. He says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me daily. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, we'll find it. We'll find it. How many of you want to find your life? Find life in God. Find the purpose that God has for you. Come on, if that's you today, just lift up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we are able and have the opportunity to follow you all the days of our life. Lord, we want this life that you speak of. We want this life that you promise. God, give us life today and change us right where we are. Let us be filled and let us be satisfied. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody says amen, amen. Y'all doing good today? You know, back in the day when you went on a road trip, you had to really commit to that road trip. Am I right? Back in the day when you went on a road trip, there were some things that you had to commit to. You had to get a map. We didn't have Siri. We didn't say, Siri, where is my, if you're going on a destination, you got to get a map. And you got to be committed because you might not find where it is. You're going to have to ask people. You're going to have to go around. You didn't have a cell phone. Anybody feeling me? You didn't have a cell phone. You didn't. You weren't able to uh, to just call people freely. You had to go to a payphone. Y'all remember payphones? Payphones. And when you went to the payphone, you realized that they're charging twenty five cents more. And you're like, I gotta, I gotta ask around at the gas station to to get twenty five cents to get the payphone. Do y'all remember a payphone? It wasn't. Youth don't remember a payphone. Google it. We didn't have Google. Google it, pay phone. Go try one. It's pretty amazing. I think I saw a pay phone in Hammond not too long ago. I thought, these people haven't remodeled in a long time. This is old. But you had to, you had to commit. Remember when we got so excited that you can actually have MapQuest? You can print out where to go. 
You didn't have to look in your 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 map map quest, man. If you lost your map quest uh, little folder, you were up a creek without a paddle. And I mean, if you were going on a road trip, you had to commit. It wasn't like Siri, take me to the destination. No, you had to commit. You might have to go to the payphone and call the people. And you know what? You might not know their number, so you got to choose to check in the yellow pages. A book about this big that every last name, you know, <laughs> uh, every last name is about 15,000 of them. And you had to check the pages. You had to check the yellow pages. Do you all remember this? Y'all do? <laughs> it, it was one of those things that if you're going on a road trip, you got to commit. If you go on a road trip, you might get lost. You got to have a map. You better be prepared because the first thing you have to realize is I don't really know where I'm going. The first thing you have to realize, I don't really know what I'm doing. And that's hard for some guys to really admit they don't know where they're going because they saw the map once and they think they have, every, every man thinks they have a photographic memory and it's just not true. And so we, we, think, we think that uh, we know where we're going, but on every real road trip, you have to admit, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what I'm doing here. And you might, have to, you might have to commit. You might have to ask for directions. When you went on a road trip, you were committed. You were committed. You had to get on the payphone even if you thought there was a lot of germs on there. You know there's a lot of germs. We didn't even have Purell. We didn't have sanitary wipes. You had to smell like a baby's butt to even get clean because that's the only kind of wipes you had was baby wipes. And so you, you had to commit. You had to say, I don't care about the germs. I don't care about anything. I'm committed. I'm going with this thing. And you had to be at a place where you said, tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to get there. And when you got there, it wasn't. It, it was a celebration, cause you made it. You conquered. You found it. Because nobody. You had to search after it. It was a journey. It was a journey. It was. It was something that that took some time. It's something that took some sacrifice. And Jesus says, "Hey, if you want to come follow me, this is going to be a daily journey." If you want to get to your destination, it might take some sacrifice. It might take some giving up some things. It might take denying yourself. And Jesus, he begins to tell us what it is to follow. And I want to give you this today. Three daily decisions of a disciple. Three daily decisions of a disciple. How many of you know there are some decisions to being a disciple? I, I want to know, in you, what are you lacking in your life? Where do you need to be fulfilled in your life? What in your life needs to really change? The answer is in following Jesus. The first decision, number one, I, I want this to be like a, a declaration. Because how many of you know we don't want just a bunch of people in church, we want disciples in church. We don't want just a bunch of people in church. We want people that are committed to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Not just talking about it, but pursuing it. 
I think in our Western world, we have categorized what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But how many of you know it doesn't matter what the world says? It matters what the Bible says. And this is our blueprint. This is our map, which brings me to my first decision. I will daily yield to his word. I will daily yield to his word. This is denying yourself. You are who you think you are. Look at your name and say, you are who you think you are. Look at the other person you just ignored. Say, you are who you think you are. <laughs> Bible says, don't be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. It takes yielding your opinion and picking up God's opinion. So you might say, well, I have a certain, you know, I have an opinion about ties and this and that. It doesn't matter your opinion. I have a certain opinion what it, what it really means to follow. It doesn't matter your opinion. It's black and white in the word of God. And the Bible says don't be like a man that is tossed by the, the winds and the waves because they have two opinions hanging over them all the time. One a little bit of God but a little bit of not. I'm preaching to somebody today. I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting. Thank you. Thank you. Got a hand clap. <laughs> it's true. To follow after God takes a daily pursuit of yielding your opinion and picking up God's blueprint and his thoughts. How's your daily devotion to him? Leah, she got in a wreck a few years ago, and it was a terrible wreck. She broke things, and it was horrible, and the person in the other car, the the. The little girl that was in the car got thrown out of the car. The guy was in, in bad shape. But do you know why the wreck happened? The reason that it happened is he, he got a certain citation. And this was the citation. Failure to yield. Failure to yield. In other words, he said, you know what? I'm not stopping. I'm going my way. How many of you know it is dangerous for Christians to not yield? It is dangerous for Christians to not yield because we go up and say, we, we confess God. We are a Christian. But it's dangerous. It hurts people around us to say that we're a Christian and not be somebody that yields to his word. How many of you want to yield to his word? Jesus said, if you want to really follow me, it is a daily Pursuit. It's a daily pursuit. You know, I, I pray today that we all as Christians are challenged. And if you know God, if you don't know God, you got to know that today God is searching after you and you think that it's a sacrifice to follow him, but it's really life to follow him. It's the good life. It's the fulfilling life. It's where restoration comes and wholeness comes to your family and wholeness comes to your heart, but it takes yielding. Let's look at Ephesians 4.22. See, a lot of times we don't want to talk about what it takes to follow Jesus because we want people to just come to church. And Jesus said, hey, this group right here, this is the group I'm, I'm, I'm investing in. I'm healing everybody. I'm touching everybody. I love everybody. But this group right here, this is the group that's saying they'll follow me. How many of you want to be in that number? 
Come on, how many of you want to be in that number? That you're just not an admirer of Jesus, but you're a follower of Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. How many of you know we got to get a certain attitude? We got to change our mind. There's no way you can follow God if you're not renewing your mind. The Bible says this is the deal. Thoughts of the flesh and thoughts of the world, it leads to death. But thoughts of God's word, it leads to life. So it takes a daily pursuit to renew your mind, to construct your mind. When you wake up in the morning, do you brush your teeth? I pray you do. I pray you brush your teeth, you put on your deodorant. Why? Because you know you need it. We need it. And for you as a Christian, you got to have his word. They can't come up here and play on stage before they tune the guitar. They got to tune it, then they got to play it. Before, listen, am I the only one, but you can have a really great night feeling close to God, but you have a few weird dreams and wake up and feel like you're not even saved? Am I the only one? Pray for me. You know, you're feeling God, you're doing the God thing, and then, then you, you, have a, you, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and you got to know, if I just keep going this way, there's no way I'm hearing God. There's no way I'm following after God. Because I'm going to have to renew my mind. I'm going to have to change the way that I think. The battle is between our ears. We have to get rid of the stinking it's true. We got to get rid of it. We got to get rid of it. And the only way, see, you might say, well, I just need to motivate myself. I need to inspire. See, the word of God, the Bible says that it's sharp and it penetrates and it separates right from wrong. That we might have a certain way to say that is right, but God has a way. He weighs the hearts and he's able to change our mind and it's a prerequisite of following him. It's not a suggestion. You know what? You should read the word of God. God says, you need me daily. I'm the manna that fell from heaven. He said, eat of me. Manna, you couldn't get manna the next day because it would be worms in it. Are you living on today's word or yesterday's word? Because you can't expect to live a life that is full and satisfying without saying I'm devoted to his word. I'm just telling you the truth. We can pretend it. We can have moments of high, you know, times with God. But to live for God and live this blessed life, it's going to take yielding your thoughts and picking up his thoughts. How many of you believe that? You know, the Bible says that your mind can actually please God. Isn't that amazing? That you thinking right thoughts can actually please God. And I want to ask you, are you listening to the thoughts of the world and the enemy? Are you listening to God's thoughts? Are you listening to what God says about your life, what God says about your spouse, what God says about your family, what God says about your community? Are you listening to your own words? Are you looking in the mirror and you're dissatisfied and you're thinking thoughts 
that you aren't smart, you're not good enough, you have all these thoughts and things about yourself that you can be negative, or are you thinking God's word? Because you don't know who you are until you spend time with the creator. And the Bible says that Jesus is the word. Well, I love Jesus. Well, you love his word. I love, I love God. I love church. I love Oak Tree. This has nothing to do with Oak Tree. This building's going to burn up one day. That sign's going to be in ashes. There's only one thing that's going to remain, and it's either you have a life with God or you don't. It's either you are following after him. Now, maybe you might be in another level. See, discipleship is not second-level Christianity. It is Christianity. Discipleship is not like, well, you know, I'm not really ready for that. Either you're ready or you're not. Jesus didn't say, well, you're ready for a little bit of me, and then maybe later on you can have more of me. No, God said, it's going to cost your life, man. It's going to cost everything. And we live in a society today that says, just come and be a part of the social club and feel good about yourself, but you don't have to deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow. I believe God in these last days, because we are living in the last days, God is saying, you have to make a decision. Are you going to follow me? Are you saying that I am as important as you going to work? What is it worth losing your whole soul and not having a relate? What is it worth to gain the whole world and lose your soul? What is it worth? It's not worth it. You might be successful today. You might be soaring high today. But I can tell you without God, there's a crash coming. You might be high in the parachute today. You're jumping off the, the, out the plane. But you don't have a parachute if you don't have Jesus. And you say, well, you know what, I'll pick it up later in my life. God says, it's going to be too late. He gives a parable. There's ten virgins. Five had oil, five didn't, and they didn't know when Jesus was coming back. Are you ready for his return? Only disciples are ready for his return. Come on. Come on, he's got a better life for you. He's got a better life for you. Come on, let's wake up. I don't want little church. I don't want just a little patty cake. You know what? Let's all feel good about ourselves. Are we denying ourselves, picking up our cross, and follow him daily? Are we doing it? Are we doing it? You don't have to clap. You don't have to clap. I'm glad you did. But the question is, are we doing it? Jesus said, listen, this is the second prerequisite. First, you got to deny yourself. Second of all, you got to pick up your cross. You got to be committed to the call. Daily. 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 Committed to the call. Daily. Come on, how many of you want to be committed? There's no such thing as an uncommitted Christian. Come on, write that down. There's no such thing as an uncommitted Christian. If you're not committed, you're not a Christian. I'm not talking about being committed to church. I'm not talking about being committed to small group. I'm talking about being committed to God, finding his word, and picking up his mission, not ours. Come on, man. Are we doing it? Are we not? I'm not yelling at you. You don't feel like I'm yelling at you, huh? I'm trying to put some fire 
under you maybe and say, come on, I want to make a decision to follow after him. I've been doing this Christian, Western civilization, Christian thing, and it's just not painting out. I'm not fulfilled. Things are falling apart. Let me ask you, have you denied yourself daily? Have you picked up your cross daily? Because God is looking for commitment. This is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus' altar call was. He says, listen, if you want eternal life, you're going to have to come to me. He said, but listen, don't be a person that says you're going to build a house and you're going to get halfway done and you're not going to finish it. He said, if you want to follow me, count the cost. Be somebody that's going to build the whole house and finish the house because if not, you're going to be embarrassed. Don't get embarrassed by your friends that say you want to follow me, but you don't want to commit to me. Come on, man. Come on. Boy, I feel like you're getting on to me. No, I'm not getting on to you. There's a better life for you. There's a better life for you. You think, well, I got to give up a bunch of stuff. No, you got to let go of some stuff to follow. So you say, well, it's all about the do's and the don'ts. No, it has to do with are you renewing your mind? Are you being committed? Are you following I've made a decision that I will follow God. I give my life. I give my life. I give my life to follow him. Do you give your life? Do you give your life? Because that's what it takes. You know, commitment, daily commitment, you can say this is kind of like religion, right? It's a ritual. And we, we use religion today in church as a negative connotation, but really religion, some religion, the Bible, the Bible says it's good to have that kind of religion. Well, you, you're talking about the law. No, there's, there's a good religion that God talks about. Can we read about it? James 1.27. Pure and unblemished religion as it is expressed in outward acts in the sight of our God and Father, is this, look at your neighbor and say, it's this, to visit and look after the fatherless and the widows in their distress and keep oneself uncontaminated to the secular world. He says, you want to be religious in something, be re religious in this, care about people. You can't say, I want to follow you, but I don't care about your mission. God says, I got blessing for you. I've got blessing on the other side of your commitment, but you got to know this. It's about people. Love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. It's about people, and it's a daily pursuit for people. Jesus said, I came to the world that everyone would be saved. He said he seeks to save that which is lost. What are we seeking for daily? The commitment is Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. See, commitment overrides your feelings. Well, I don't feel comfortable. Jesus didn't ask you if you felt comfortable. I'm fearful to talk to somebody about God. God didn't ask you if you were fearful. He said, will you pick up your cross? Will you commit? 
Well, you say, that's for this people and this, this people. No, no, no. Jesus said, if you come follow me, I'm about people. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, followed Jesus. He was all about people. He would disappear and go and pray, and he would come down and love people. What are we doing? Come on, man. Are y'all okay? What are we doing? Because this life of love should possess us to such a degree that we can't help but reach out to other people. Is it inconvenient? Yes. Is it difficult at times? Yes. Do you feel like you don't know what you're doing? Yes. But that's why we have a comforter. We have to step out. We have to get beyond ourselves, our own thoughts, our own emotions, what we want to do. Jesus said, will you pick up your cross? Will you pick up your cross? Will you pick up the mission in your neighborhood? Will you pick up the mission in your family? Will you pick up the mission in your city? I am tired of hearing about the news right down the street, a mile away from here. It's the poorest city in the whole nation, 25% of poverty, the highest rate per capita of murder. And we're sitting right here saying, well, praise you, Jesus. At least we're going to church. Jesus made it real clear. He said, at the end of the day, there's going to be sheep and goats. Are y'all okay? This is truth. This is truth. At the end of the day, there are going to be sheep and goats. And he said, come, on, come in, sheep. He said, when, you, when, you, uh, when I was in prison, you visited me. And when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And he said, when, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you came in and saw me. And they said, God, Jesus, when did we do this for you? He said, you did it for me when you did it for the least of these. It sounded like, yes, there was a decision that brings people to God, but it sounds like a true decision is followed with action. Not my words, Jesus' words. Not what I'm saying. It's what Jesus said. Come on, have you picked up his mission? Have you picked up his mission? And we're going to close with this. Number three, I will daily obey his spirit. This is what it is to follow. See, each time you obey the spirit of God, you're inviting the good life to take over you. There's a blessing on the other side of your obedience. We don't like that word obedience. Jesus said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of rules. He said, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and I'm going to put the rules in your heart. I'm going to put the rules in your mind, and you're going to follow after the spirit of God. This is what it is to follow after Jesus. How do we follow after the spirit of God? we got to know who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit's our helper. John 14, 26, he teaches us. John 16, 7, he comforts us. John 16, 8, he convicts us of what's right. John 14, 25, he reminds us of his word. Galatians 5, 16, he guides us. He urges us. Joel 2, 
He's a creative dreamer. He gives us ideas. Let me ask you, are you following the Holy Spirit? You say, I don't know how. It takes practice. In every area of your life. In every area of your life. See, when you wake up in the morning and you say, you know what, I really should pray and read, but you're like, I got a lot to do. Which one is the Holy Spirit? I'm just asking. Which one is the Holy Spirit? I got a lot to do or I should pray? It's kind of simple. You know in your heart. You know, I had uh, Honor come up to me. She said, I broke your phone. I broke your screen. Everything in me was wanting to scream at her. Now, am I going to scream at her or I'm going to have the unction of the Holy Spirit to say, you know what, just you're going to have to play with it in here. Don't do that again. And have the fruit of the Spirit because there is the fruit of the Spirit. Am I right about it? God wants it in every area in our life. You might have a thought, you know what, I need to bring my wife some flowers. That's God. So that's weird. No, no, it's God. It's God. Bring her some flowers. No, I'll do it later. No, you won't. Do it and you'll see a blessing come from your obedience. Come on, you see somebody that really is alone, that they need God, and something urges you, hey, go talk to that person. The other day, we're about to close, I promise. The other day, I went to the gas station, and we challenged each other to tell somebody about God because that's what God told us to do. I don't like that. He told us, preach the gospel to everyone. That's what he said. That's what he said. And so we challenged each other. And he said, hey, let's tell somebody about God. And so I went out, and they had this sweet lady at the Chevron, and I talked to her, and I was just talking to her about the love of the Father and getting to hang out with her. And later on that day, my, my sister called me and said, hey, guess what? I, uh, I talked to somebody about God, and they're coming to the life group, and, and they're excited. They're bringing their friend, and uh, it's awesome. Her name is such and such at this gas station, and I talked to them. And it didn't even register to me. But I started to realize she spoke to the person about Jesus, and I followed up. And when she called and invited her, God began to move in her life, and she came to church, which she hasn't done in a very long time. See, following the Spirit is sowing and watering. God brings the increase. God brings the increase. Our job is to obey to sow. Our job is to obey to water. I'm trying to encourage you today that on the other side, there's life, but it takes a decision. And I want to do something. I want to do something kind of bold. It's going to be bold for you. Jesus never called anybody to follow him where it wasn't in public. Never. The only time we see it is Nicodemus tried to go to God at night, and God was, but every other time, Jesus, when he called somebody to say, will you follow me? It was in public. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father which is in heaven. You say, that's not love. No, it's love because God knows what's best for you. That's why you tell your kids to brush their teeth. That's love. You tell them, hey, you got to go to school. That's love. You might not like it, but it's love when you do it. And you're going to be better for it. And God's saying, quit living this life that's outside of me. Come and live this life, the good life. 